0: that portion of god's word that we shall read and consider this evening the holy ghost has caused to be recorded in isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 through 10 where we read as follows in jesus name there shall come forth a rod from the stem of jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots the spirit of the lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the lord as the waters cover the sea and in that day there shall be a root of jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. These are your words, Holy Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Amen. Our uh, dear friends in Christ, a grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Last Wednesday, we looked at the words of Isaiah, chapter 2, about the coming of Christ to bring peace on earth. And this evening, we look at chapter this portion of chapter 11 to learn more about the peace that Jesus brings. There is mass confusion on this topic among Christians. I didn't grow up listening to country, western, or gospel music because I was from the city. And then when I got interested in country, western music, I discovered a singer that many of you are familiar with, Johnny Cash. And he made popular. A gospel song that I growing up in a traditional Lutheran church and home had never heard of and it was called Peace in the Valley. It's just really a beautiful song and Johnny Cash knows how to sing. It had a line, it was how it went. There will be peace in the valley, peace someday. There will be peace in the valley For me, dear Lord, I pray. It looks forward, this song, to a day of peace, a very moving, touching song, looking forward to a peace that has not yet arrived. But the song is wrong. The peace has arrived. The promised peace has come into this world. The gift was given. And those for whom it was intended refused to acknowledge it. That is true. St. John writes, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But he came and he brought peace. The Prince of Peace was born. Because when the angels sang. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace goodwill to men. They were not praying. They were preaching. Jesus is born. Peace has come. To this earth. Shalom is incarnate. In Shiloh. The Prince of Peace. We confess his birth. It was a miracle. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. The Holy Spirit came down upon him as a dove when he was baptized in the Jordan, when he was 30 years old, anointing him as the promised Christ. That's what the title Christ means, you know. It simply means anointed one. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit without measure. He had upon him... And within him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit identified him as the Savior at his baptism in the Jordan. He came as a living branch grows up out of a dead stump. The stump appeared to be dead, but there was life in there. Remember how God had promised a savior that would come from Abraham, from Isaac, from Jacob, from Judah, from David, the son of Jesse. And since God promised it, it had to happen, but it didn't look like it was going to happen because the glory days of David's kingdom were long over. The dynasty of David had been divided and was a shell of what it once had been The heirs of God's promises were ruled by heathens and by Jews without any religious conviction, but God cannot forget his promises. He came to establish a government, but the government of this Savior would be different from any other human government ever established. It would be unique. Unknown among the rulers throughout the history of the world. Listen again to the words of the prophet. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. The the rod of his mouth, the breath of his lips is his word. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Now, we certainly know that all legitimate authority comes from God. The Ten Commandments summarize for us what is right and wrong, and these commandments were written by God on stone at Mount Sinai. And yet there has never been in this world an entirely just, fair, and equitable government. Why? For two reasons. Because of the sinful nature of those governing and because of the sinful nature of those who are governed. Those who govern don't apply the law fairly. And that's because they would rather serve themselves than those they govern. They claim to be servants of the people, but they crave power, prestige, personal enrichment, and all the perks of their offices that make them feel good about themselves. Power corrupts because it appeals to the pride and vanity of those who use it. And then there are those who are governed. In the unlikely event that the government gets justice right, the people who are governed don't want justice. No, they're just as corrupt as those who govern them. They want special favors. Their highfalutin principles are a facade, masking their base desires. You can illustrate this by the old cliches, A conservative is a liberal who just got mugged and a liberal is a conservative who just got arrested. Whatever our high political ideals may be, the fact is our regard for justice can't compare with our regard for ourselves. And so how can there be a perfect government here on earth? Well, the government has to be in the hands of one who is perfectly just. He must be incorruptible, untouchable by dishonesty or deceit. Righteousness and faithfulness must be his clothing. His innocence must be impeccable. He must be incapable of sin. And he is. The holy God become man cannot deny himself. He cannot lie or deceive. He cannot sin. He cannot desire what is wrong. The servant of Israel's prophecy is born. But then more is needed if there's going to be true peace on earth. More is needed if there is going to be that perfect justice that peace requires. Not only must the one who governs be just, but those he governs must also be just. The branch of Jesse is a just or righteous branch, but more than that, he is what you've been singing. The Lord, our our righteousness. He is our Righteousness. He's not just just in and of himself, but he brings to us and gives to us the righteousness that is required of us. What we must be, he is. What we must do, he does. What as we must love, he loves. What we must obey, he obeys. What we must suffer, he suffers in our stead. He is righteous and his righteousness is now ours. It is ours by that wonderful exchange whereby the righteous one becomes the sinner and we sinners become righteousness. It's a double imputation. Our sins are imputed to Christ. His righteousness is imputed to us. So we stand before God Righteous in his sight. But we're righteous only in Christ. It isn't a righteousness that we do. He doesn't. Let there be no mistake about this. If you look to anything you do to find peace with God, you're never going to find peace with God. The peace is Christ come to you. Because when he comes to you, He gives himself and his righteousness to you. And that's how you become righteous. So there is peace. There is peace within. The hatred of God and neighbor give way to the Holy Spirit's gracious call. He comes and he lives inside the Christian's heart. And he applies the peace of his gospel to the bitterness and hatred within. The wolf lives at peace with the lamb. The leopard lies down with a young goat. The calf and the lion are companions and a little child leads them. The prince of peace has brought them peace. He makes peace in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. God changes what we are. He changes us on the inside. Now, if you don't have that peace within, if you don't love your neighbor, but fight him instead, if you don't desire justice, but you just want more of what benefits you, confess your sins today. And confess it to the one who does not judge by what he sees or hears, but by his own righteousness. You confess to him. He gives you his righteousness for sin. Consider this world where the cow lives without fear of the bear and where the child can play with the viper and not be hurt, where everyone's filled with a knowledge of God. Who is it who stands as the ruler over all? Whose banner calls all people to find rest and peace in him alone? Why, it is Jesus Christ, and you know him. He's come to join you here and now where you live. In him you have rest and peace, and his resting place is glorious. In Jesus I find rest and peace. The world is full of sorrow. His wounds are my abiding place. Let the unknown tomorrow bring what it may. There I can stay. My faith finds all I need today. I will not trouble borrow. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.